Hello and welcome again to another edition of Lost in Science. Half an hour on your radio where we, the Lost in Science team, talk about science. My name's Stu and on this week's show I'm going to talk about a little topic that some people might be overly familiar with, maybe unfortunately familiar with. I'm actually going to be talking about antihistamines and why oh. do Hay fever. Hay fever season. If you live in ah. the southern parts of the country, uh, certainly it's hay fever season. Um, so I'm going to talk about antihistamines and why are they antihistamine and what is a histamine even? Yeah. And what's, what, what's the problem with histamines? Are you going to tell us why we don't like histamines? Well, we, we kind of do like them. We just don't like them in this context. Okay. But uh, mm. I'll, I'll explain that in excruciatingly fine detail later mm. in the show. Chris, what have you got for us? Sounds like it's nothing to be sneezed at, Stu. Um, I hope you're not going to do that joke later on because I just... Not anymore. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I am look, I'm looking at some recent research to find that attempts to find out whether there is a biological basis for the placebo effect. You know, is the placebo effect real is the question that is being asked effectively. Um, uh, um, yes. Is it? Is it clear? Is it real? Um, if I believe it is, it is. Well, even if you don't believe it is, it, it may is. be. Yeah. Well, no, look, we'll wait till, wait till you're here, okay? You know, we'll just get to that, all right? Anyway. Okay. Uh, Claire, uh, what, what are you going to talk about? Well, mine's actually my story I'm bringing this week. Um, it's actually a seasonal phenomena as well. Um, and with the September flooding that happened in the southern part of the country, um, came a lot of uh, water on the ground. And with water comes mosquitoes. And now we are in the depths of like just thousands and thousands of mosquitoes around Melbourne and Victoria. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Uh, But there are heaps of mozzies. Yeah, in the studio as well. In the studio. I'm sure we can get a better soundbite than Chris doing that. But... (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'm I'm um, I'm gonna have a look at why this is, yeah, and what's going on and why it's such a bad thing, or maybe not. Maybe it's not a bad thing. That's hmm. a bad thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's a really human centric way to look at it, Chris. Mm. But mm. I am hey, human. At, at least, at least <laughs> in the southern parts of the country, we don't have to worry about things like malaria and other tropical diseases. Zika. So we, we're not having to worry about those things. At least. Anyway, stay tuned. Yeah. Get the buzz uh, on that later. I thought I would look at something on the show that might be in the forefront of people's minds at this time of year, and certainly in some parts of the country. I'm going to be talking about antihistamines. So when you say the forefront of people's minds, you talk about the sinus the area nasal, in particular. The nasal yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah. the nasal, yeah. the nasosinal <laughs> area of their head. Yeah. Um, obviously, the reason many people will be aware of the value of antihistamines at this time of year is their role in the treatment of hay fever, a.k.a. 
allergic rhinitis. Mm. <laughs> just just for the scientific terminology. Um, so allergies to specific pollens and other various things like dust and even uh, plant hairs, little hairs on the plants, like the ones on the London plane trees, which mm. are planted. I hate the plane trees. Oh, they, they, they're so cutty when they get in your eyes as well. Well, see, it was a good idea to plant them back when they planted them because they're ultra-resistant to pollution. Oh, right. So they survived the uh, coal-burning um, industries. They, why of, do they continue to plant them? Because Well, because now people had... are used to them. No, they're not. Yeah, but... Well, <laughs> They like they like the look of them. That's that's what I'm saying. They like the look of them. It, you know. Were they also going to inject them with um, plant hormones to get them to stop producing the fruit? It's that not, was a rumor going around. It's not just the fruit. It's it's actually not the pollen of the plane trees. It's the little micro hairs that are covering all of the leaves and all the surfaces. Oh, is so, it? Yeah, okay, they kind of right. blow off and get up your nose. Um, obviously, causing considerable misery if you're one of those susceptible mm. people. But people get allergic to that anyway. But um, without having any other pollen allergies because uh, it's a physical irritant as well. Oh, but right. with the pollen allergies, uh, if an allergy gets triggered, what it means is that the body's immune system recognises a foreign substance as having entered the body and it treats it as a dangerous invader. Um, so pollen's not really going to do much in a human body. Uh, it's lost... It's lost its way. It's failed in its effort to continue its species. You're not giving it much credit here. Well, look, it's it's wind blown <laughs> pollen, so let's yeah. So it's, it's not going to directionless. It's you. directionless and aimless in the first place. It goes literally wherever the wind blows, and it's if it ends up, you know, you, is it? What's that? It's not going to pollinate you. Certainly it's not. His job is over. It's yeah, what, it, what it's, it's it's uh, it's brief existence is done, but it does decide that it'll. Well, not decide, but it, it, it does take us down with it in a lot of cases. Mm. Um, it makes us suffer for its failure in pollinating <laughs> its own species. It's very judgmental, really, isn't it? Judging, judging grains of pollen, yes, I'm, I'm pretty harsh. So the presence of the allergen in the body triggers production of histamines. Histamine, there's in, that word. In our cells. And these are chemicals that are designed to ward off possible pathogenic invaders and they generally do a really good job um, but what their job is is kind of promoting inflammation and promoting <laughs> snot and promoting watery eyes to flush the stuff out of your body partly is one of the things that they're trying to do um, so uh, even though they're not pathogenic things the histamines uh, still go through the motions and produce copious amounts of snot and cause inflammation, make your eyes itchy, uh, most commonly is the, the symptoms. They can also cause sinus congestion because of the action of vasodilation, so it makes all your veins more porous and all sorts of um, amazing things that keep us healthy most of the time. Uh, in the case of hay fever, it's just really annoying. Um so they also, histamines actually do, histamines, histamines, I'm never quite sure how to say that, but I, I'll stick with histamines. I started with histamines, so I'll go with histamines. Uh, they actually do a bunch of things we really need them to do, like regulating hunger and sleep patterns. Didn't know that about histamines. Uh, and making us recognize itchiness. Oh, certainly I got the itchiness down, Pat. Thank you very much. But the, um, the hunger and sleep thing? They are, they are related to hunger and sleep. So there's four different kinds of histamine receptors in the body. Some of them are in the nose yep. and the head and the brain. Um, there's other ones in the in the intestinal 
tract and in the digestive okay. tract, and they do all different things throughout the body. So they're so doing this stuff. So you'd really want to hope that the antihistamines that you were taking were targeting the right types of histamines, not the ones that are regulating hunger? Well, this is one of the issues is that antihistamines can, in some cases, make people put on weight oh. because it makes them hungry all the time. Is that why some make, make you sleepy as well? That is exactly right. So, oh, my God. So the antihistamines that, that's that, why. The antihistamines that you take for allergies can make you drowsy because they actually go into your brain, which is not where you want them to be. You want them to be <laughs> operating in the bits that are playing up, your eyes and your nose and that sort of thing, but they cross the, ba- the brain too. cross the barrier into the brain mm. and make you drowsy. So really old school antihistamines make you sleepy and they have warnings saying, you know, do not drive, do not operate heavy machinery. Mm. Don't um, take too many Finergan. The, um, the ones we use these days don't, well, they're, they're designed to be much smaller doses, so they're not supposed to do those sorts of things. Uh, the ones commonly used for hay fever-related allergies are H1 histamine receptor antagonists. So the histamine receptor is the part of our cells that recognise that the histamine's there and go about doing the things that it's supposed to trigger, which is make your nose run and make your eyes itch. So they go around and kind of try and shut that down. Um, and the, the, the tablets that we take basically try and focus on the receptors in the facial area, so in your nose and around your eyes and all those sorts of things, because these receptors are everywhere because the histamines get released all over the place. Um, So as I said, the older versions can be absorbed in the brain. It makes people sleepy, but the new ones don't really do that as much. Um, So most of them work, most of the ones on the market work by... uh, stopping the symptoms so they stop the histamines from getting to the histamine receptors which triggers the cell to start doing the things that we want it to not do um, and some of them can also reduce inflammation so if you've got histamines that have already if you walk out the door and you haven't taken your antihistamines you'll get some inflammation happening pretty quickly uh, some of the antihistamines will reduce that inflammation even though it's already started. So they haven't okay. been there in time, but they can have a sort of retrospective effect. Interesting. Which antihistamines might they be? i asking for a friend. <laughs> well, the, the, the issue is with antihistamines is that you can actually build up a resistance to their effect Damn it. over the years um, Damn it. in some cases. So you, in, some people who get really bad allergies have to go to their doctor and get injections of stronger antihistamines oh. over time and there there are about um you know 30 or 40 substances which are used as over-the-counter okay. antihistamines so if if one doesn't work you could potentially just try using another one but it's probably better to go and see a doctor and say what's what's yeah. going wrong here and there's like an immune therapy you can get as well which gives you a longer term i think um, yeah where they inject you yeah. with the uh, with the allergen and, yeah. and your body gets used to it, so it stops redu- stops producing the histamines in response. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you have find you having to go to the doctor and get like the powerful, the the you know industrial strength antihistamines, maybe you're better off just you know getting the immune therapy. Mm. Yeah, it might it might there might there may be other options if if you you know it can be it can be quite uh, debilitating. What are they going to do? Make you snort a plane tree? <laughs> no, they just give you re- injections. I think. Oh, do they? Yeah. 
oh. of, of whatever it is that you're allergic I to. I can just imagine if you're allergic to cats and your therapy is just like, just, cat. just like cat in the face or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> just like smush just it, rub in, it your in your face. Rub it in your face. Yeah, that's got to work. <laughs> that's going to work. A science. <laughs> It's controlled, controlled. So aversion, aversion therapy. I don't think allergies yeah. work that way. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's yeah. a bit more chemically based than that. Uh, but look, that was uh, you know I, I was curious about why what was so wrong with histamines, and obviously you can't shut them down. They can't make a drug that shuts down your histamine system forever because we need them for other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know it's handy to know that we can get them to. Stop overreacting every once in a while when we need them to, when there's allergies out there that are making us miserable. You are listening to Lost in Science, and I have a question for you. Is the placebo effect real? I think it is. I mean, I sort of, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been like, like experimentally proven to be a thing. Well, let us look at that. Let us let us actually look at that and find out what the the experiments actually say because things Such a placebo like all, wowzer. No, like all science, <laughs> things aren't always as obvious as they seem, uh, and you do hear a lot of stuff about placebos. There's a lot of lot of hype about placebos, and I'm just going to try and oh. <laughs> let us have the placebo. <laughs> oh come on, okay, okay but, all right. But let's okay. just talk about first of okay. what a placebo is. Yeah, we right. should explain that. Um, a placebo is it's something that is used usually in clinical trials. Um, they give you something like a sugar pill or um, uh, something like that. They used to basically trick people so they don't know whether they're getting the, the drug in question or not. Yeah, so if, it, if it's a pill, then they give them a pill. If it's an injection, they give them an injection. Yeah, if but someone's doing no, yeah. it's like it's a surgery, they'll give like yeah, fake surgery. Fake surgery. They'll just pretend, yeah. I am cutting into you now and say that kind of thing. You're like poking with a sharp stick and they think they're being cut open. They, they do that kind of stuff. But wouldn't they have to really cut them open? Otherwise, the person would be like, well, well they put them under to... anesthetic and they just, you know, like, put some stitches. I don't know. They do this kind of stuff. This is, this is <laughs> actually are so good these days. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even look like you've been cut. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, the idea is it's meant to be able to compare the drug with basically compare it to not giving them the drug at all. But you want people to think they're getting something. Well, compa- um, compare a treatment to having no treatment. Effectively. But but removing the idea that we're just sitting you in this room yeah. while everyone else gets the treatment. Yeah, because... you don't want them to know. And this is because sometimes there are other factors that will make people get better. And you're trying to get rid of those other factors. And what you sometimes find with these experiments is that the... You know, the placebo group, people getting the placebo will get better as well. And this is what people call the placebo effect. 
Um, and, you know, you, there's, like I said, there's a lot about it. Um, sometimes you'll find, for instance, you'll get, say, your, um, some of your more dodgy alternative therapies, like your homeopathy and those sort of things. And there'll be a study that says, basically says it works no better than placebo, to which they'll then spin that around and say, aha, we harness the power of the placebo effect to make you better. Um, so, you know, this is why it's worth asking whether about the benefits of the actual placebo effect. Um, there's also, on the other side, there is, of course, the nocebo effect, which you may have heard of. No, um, nocebo. 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 It comes from a Latin thing. But it basically is where you get the placebos can make you worse. So sometimes, like, a drug will have harmful side effects, and people taking placebo arm of the trial will also get those side effects because it's all in the mind or something like that. Um, well, it's not all in the mind usually, but it's just something you have to control for that as well. You have to be aware that sometimes when people are getting a pill, they will think they'll get some negative effects and they will experience those. So, yeah, that is the, the nocebo effect. Oh, I'd much rather the placebo than the nocebo effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I have been saying, you know, how real is this anyway? Um, and as I always boringly do when I ask these, these kind of medical questions, I go to the Cochrane Library. Um, the Cochrane Library of Systematic Reviews, where they get you know, an independent group that examines all the trials on a particular question. And I typed in the word placebo and they come up a nice trial called, uh, basically to assess the effect of placebos on all clinical conditions. So placebo for everything. Um, they just did a general placebo test. Placebo for everything. Sounds yeah. like a great campaign motto. It does, doesn't yep. it? So what they essentially did, they, they found any trial they could would basically test it to see whether placebos worked or not. So this is not comparing a drug to a placebo, comparing a placebo to nothing at all, mm -hmm. effectively. And um, a whole lot of different conditions. And what they found was it wasn't as kind of straightforward as a, the nice story we like to hear about the placebo effect. There, there's a lot of mixed results. Um, some studies would show that you had a strong benefit from taking a placebo. Others would show there was no benefit. Um, you know, because it looked at mostly things which have kind of a more subjective component to or some sort of involvement of the mind, I guess. And, you know, there's all these things that you might have expected to be an effect, things like um, uh, smoking, uh, dementia, depression, obesity, um, hypertension, anxiety, all these kind of things. And there was not really strong effects in any of those. And in fact, generally when they, were, they did find an effect, often it wasn't statistically significant. So they found, they concluded in this study that there was kind of a low evidence, so quality evidence that has a benefit for pain and nausea, but even then it kind of different different um, studies will give you different results. So you can't even say taking a placebo will give you a benefit. Um, and they think that a lot of the differences in the trials are due to like just statistical differences and all these other confounding factors. So yeah, when we people say that the placebos, placebos are powerful and can heal, your, you know, heal you through the power of mind over matter, it turns out that's not necessarily the case um, when studied by science. However, that doesn't stop people from then still trying to pin down whether there's actually something real going on there. And this is because there may be some other variables that, um, that can affect whether the, these studies are what you're measuring. And one, mm. one idea, one theory is that there are only, some pe only certain people who will have a placebo response and they're called placebo responders. So some people don't People who want to believe. People who want to believe effectively, the agent molders of the world, if you will. <clears throat> the and agent molders. Um, so there was an experiment, this is, and this is what, the, um, what I want to talk about. There was a, an experiment that was done recently where they did some uh, functional fMRI scan of um, placebo responders to see how their brains responded when they were given a placebo. 
So these were patients who had osteoarthritis of the knee. Um, they were all in, in pain and they gave either, either painkillers or placebo and they looked to see who actually had a response to the placebo and they put them in the scanner to see which parts of their brain, brains lit up. And they found that placebo responders, when given the placebo, would have a um, kind of a bit in the, in the medial, so the mid-frontal gyrus of the brain, which is kind of in the frontal lobe, sort of the bit where I'm pointing here, kind of near the front of my head. Can you see that? Just just above your eye, sort of sort of if you draw a line from your yeah. eye and your ear, where they would meet those yeah, yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. Sort, of, sort of where people have their side part of their hair. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it was that, um, it, they, they kind of they would light up in that area. And it was a different area to the bits that light up when they're given real painkillers, proper painkillers. So it seems to indicate that this is perhaps a particular region of the brain that responds to the placebo, doesn't respond to actual painkillers. So it's different to the painkiller response. It's a separate thing, phenomenon going on. So they said, well, this is, could give us a clue of what is actually happening in the brains of people who are responding to placebos. Maybe we can find of now a way to harness the power of the placebo effect <laughs> in this sense. That's not necessarily that. I mean, you know, what what does that um, uh, area of the brain normally do? Well, the frontal lobes are kind of your more your executive functions, um, things like your planning and um, coordination, that kind strategic of strategic management, and those sort of executive those kind of things. Um, it's sort of where your personality is often in that frontal part of the brain. So it's, right. it's all those yeah, those higher functions, if you will, of of the brain. So it kind of makes sense that there's something in your brain that is going, you know, mind over matter thing that I'm going to respond to this this fake thing that's going to be in that part of the brain. So that kind of makes sense. But again, like the trouble is that these fMRI things aren't always totally reliable. People have done other brain scan studies of placebos in the past and found different parts of the brain. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. But, you know, they, they said that one possibility there might be if you can identify who is the placebo responder and non-responder, you could perhaps exclude them from clinical trials. So you're not, you're not you know, distorting the, the results. Uh, another possibility is that if you, people are known placebo respondents, perhaps you could give them placebos for their pain relief, and that's and that's totally fine. Because there is there is an ethical problem with placebos. So I mentioned before the idea of some of these alternative therapies that are no better than placebo, and people say, "Wow, well, well, if it's no better than placebo, we should just give people placebos because clearly they're getting a benefit from it or a subjective benefit from it." But Normally, it's considered unethical for doctors to give patients that they know are bogus. You know, to, to knowingly mislead their patients is considered unethical. Yeah. Um, but if you can have like an open label placebo and you know the people are going to respond, then there might be kind of a loophole around that. So, look, that is one possibility. I guess another option is that we continue looking for medicines that actually work um, instead of trying to find more effective placebos or more powerful placebos. But, uh, yeah, it's possible that if you are one of these placebo responders, you can just get off on your sugar pills and you'll be fine. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop... Lost in science. Uh, not sure if you've noticed, but much of Victoria is currently experiencing somewhat of a plague of mosquitoes. Um, they're swarming everywhere. Uh, if you happen to find yourself in a park at dusk, then you will definitely return home anemic because all the mosquitoes will suck you dry. 
Not me. What? They don't go for me usually. Oh, come on. They really, really? don't. No, if, if there's anyone else around, they go, oh, there's mozzies everywhere. And I just like, oh, is there? I didn't notice. But they don't seem to go for me as much as they go for other people. And what happens if you do get If bit- I'm by myself, then I get bitten. Yeah, but then do you come up in a rash or... Oh, yeah, it gets itchy. Or get a yeah. mozzie bite type thing? But it's not, it's not something I worry about generally. Because some people, I mean, I'm pretty jealous because they always go for me. But then um, some people don't even, you know, they get bitten, but then nothing even happens There's to no them. There's no reaction at There's all. There's no reaction. No, no histamines. No Correct. histamines. Yeah, that, that's yeah. exactly what it is, yeah. 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 Ugh, anyway, um, not me. I was, in, um, I was in the park the other day and I just got totally nailed. But, I mean, like, I guess it depends on, you know, what you're wearing as well. And apparently they prefer dark clothing. Yeah, were you wearing dark clothing? I was wearing dark clothing, yep. We're in Melbourne. Everyone's and wearing black hair. The mosquitoes are just going crazy. Yeah. And 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 you did and you did forget the air guard clearly. And I did forget the air guard. That's right. Anyway, this whole sort of swarm of mosquito thing. It sort of seems a little bit unseason, unseason. It does, it does seem a little bit early. Yeah. Usually we get them when it's much warmer yeah. in the summertime. And it's sort of like it's sort of got like hints of locust plague, like. The end of humanity, blah, blah, blah. We do like to exaggerate, though. <clears throat> we uh, we do. I've, I've, yeah. I've told mean, you I guys guess. millions of times not to exaggerate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for the sake of a good story, um, you know, we are in the midst. <laughs> we have the plague to end all plagues. I think it is biblical. <laughs> it is it's a biblical proportion. <laughs> but there is a reason for this. It's not been, it hasn't come down from hell or heaven or whatever. Um, remember in September, there were really big floods and heavy rains in a lot of Victoria, in the Grampians, the Mildura, all the way to sort of uh, Wodonga Way. Oh, yeah, the floods on the, the floods. Murray are still subsiding now yeah. in some spots. So, yeah. 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 Well, all that saturated ground um, with all of that comes a hell of a lot of water just sort of lying around. Um, and it's the water we can thank for this mosquito situation that we are now in the midst of. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of extra breeding areas, but also apparently mozzie eggs can lay dormant in dry soil for years. So after all this prolonged rain, all the dormant eggs from the past couple of years um, have hatched and are, I guess, descending, I guess you would say, upon us. <laughs> so we are getting close to peak mozzie. <laughs> peak mozzie. <laughs> More mozzies than there have been for a really long time. No, peak an, mozzie. That's an interesting point. So because that's sort of, I guess, is from practical sense of view. When is peak mozzie? Like, I mean... <laughs> How do, what makes it peak mossy? It's like, well, well they're going to decline presumably after peak mossy. Yeah. Well, they're going to decline after peak mossy because... But, so how do you know we're close to peak mossy? Well, because all of the eggs that have been laying dormant because they haven't been... Ah. Um, they haven't had the damp ground in the water yeah. to um, to hatch yeah. have now hatched and okay. now there's, n- there's no reserves left. Yeah. So, um, and now there are no more floods. Okay. So eventually the water's going to dry up yeah. and there's not going to be any more... Place so for them to breed. Just, just relax and all will be over soon. I was well, I mean, I guess I was tr- I was being a bit more um, uh, like a bit of an exaggerator saying it's peak mozzie, but yeah, I mean, I guess you could take from that. So, so <laughs> to relax, also, also, Chris. we should probably hope that it doesn't rain more because yeah, mozzies true. being you know yeah. living things, they probably want to breed. Yeah, and exactly. That's probably why they're eating exactly. and drinking our blood as well, because they need that yeah. when they're actually yeah. in breeding season. They, they do. They do. So um, 
interesting point, Chris. Yes. So every mosquito that's ever bit, bitten you is a female mosquito try, just trying to get some blood before she lays her eggs because they need to blood feed before the, the females lay eggs. So you've never had a male mosquito bite you? Because the male, hang on, the males bite what fruit and stuff like that, don't they? Yeah, like like um, they they you know drink out of the flowing vessels from plants if, and stuff. What if you resemble a fruit? Is it possible <laughs> that a male could what's mistakenly that? bite what's you? What's that? Um, Veruca salt? No, what's that? What's the the girl that turns into a violet? Violet, violet. Beauregard. Yeah. Violet, you're turning violet, violet. <laughs> The girl from Willy Wonka that turns into, into a blueberry. A blueberry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay, if you resemble a fruit, then watch out. The male mosquitoes might get you. I roll, Chris. <laughs> Hopefully not many of our listeners resemble fruit. Anyway, back to the main point. Um, these mosquitoes are causing such, um, such a hassle that Victoria's health authorities have issued an early warning and surveillance for control prog- programs for the mosquitoes. It's been brought forward. Normally, normally um, our health authorities have, you know, programs in place to help keep down mosquito populations, but they've had to bring it forward because things are dire. Um, and, yeah, so brace yourselves, everyone. The the, um, the authorities, the, the government's getting on the mosquitoes. Um, now, I've got a question. Yes, are there mosquito-borne diseases in Victoria? That is a very good question. I'm just about to get to that. Oh, really? Let me tell you a bit more about mosquitoes in Victoria. Okay. There are 275 species of mosquitoes found in Australia. Mm-hmm. Not all of them can be found in Victoria, but um, a lot of them can. Fortunately, only a few of them bite humans, um, and fewer still are vectors of human diseases. So um, to get back to your point about vector diseases about mosquito um carry diseases um yeah so having these giant numbers of mosquitoes is problematic for both the fact that they're extremely irritating but also this public health risk so in victoria mozzies can cause ross river virus Mm. um and also barma forest virus which are two yeah two diseases that are um fairly that sort of uh go up and down through the years about how oh with you know how many cases are reported yep um and there is also a very rare but very serious murray valley encephalitis or encephalitis okay um which can be fatal right um yeah so both the ross river virus and the Barma forest virus are diseases that are considered endemic throughout victoria so that means that at any time i guess you can get them um so I guess I was really wrong with the whole just relax, it'll be over soon because yeah, you've got to be careful about yeah, it. Yeah, that's why the health authorities like, you know, getting yeah. stuck into the mozzies. I apologise. Um, but but with, the, with, with Ross River virus and Palmer f- forest virus, yeah, like I said, the numbers of the cases vary quite a lot per year. So, for example, within the space of a couple of years, I mean, we're going back a fair while, but in 1993, there were 1,300 cases. And then in 1995, there were only 55 cases. So these things can fluctuate mm. quite a lot. Mm. Probably depending on the mosquito population. Probably depending on the mosquito population and the amount of rain that we all have, that we have. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so 
just to go back briefly to the to the Murray Valley encephalitis, although it can be fatal, the most recently reported cases were in 1974. Okay, that's a while. So ago. that's sort of reassuring to me. 1974 was a long time ago, um, and there were 58 cases recorded, and um, 13 of them were fa- fatal. Okay. So even then, you had a, you know, I mean, you weren't definitely going to die. I, see, I like your optimism. <laughs> Hopefully also they've got possibly better treatments for it than they would have in 1974. I hope so, mm. yeah. But even 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 though, even then there's still not been any cases reported. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder, I wonder where it's gone or where it came from. Yeah. If, if it, you'd think that's something you'd get maybe a few cases mm. if it's just a low-level thing, but none at all seems pretty Suspicious. drastic drop. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that health authorities would be um, surveying the mosquito populations and just checking out what is in the populations and if if that virus still exists. But if it's a human-based virus, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't know how it how it's contracted, but wouldn't you need? I mean, like something like dengue, you need the mosquito to to bite someone, bite who's, someone who's got and dengue carry and it. carry yeah. it. So if there's if no, we have any um, mosquito um, disease experts out there listening, please call in. Please, please. Um, so in the meantime, authorities are suggesting all the usual things for um, mosquito awareness, wear your long, loose-fitting fi- clothing, light colours, just like Stu does, um, put mozzie repellent on. No one mentions mozzie coils because I don't think they work. But <laughs> um, They work, but you've got to grind them up and smear them all over yourself <laughs> and they're really <laughs> effective. Most of the research says that DEET and um Picaridin are the most effective mosquito repellents. Um, everything else is much less effective. Okay. Yeah. What about those electrified tennis racket devices that you use to whack them and they burn up? They're fantastic. Yeah. They are um, more of a threat than mosquitoes, though, I imagine, <laughs> for electrocutions. Okay. I, I, I haven't seen them being sold for in Australia. I, I've seen them. Have you? Yeah. Last time oh, I saw around. them was overseas. Yeah, they are around. around. Yeah, two dollar shots and things. Yeah, it's just that you know when the when the air's thick with mosquitoes and you just you know you put you 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 do a backhand through yep. the air and you can just hear them. Just anyway, um, <laughs> also maybe think about installing some some mosquito wire screens. Um, remove stagnant water from around your house, including your empty kiddie pools. Um, and after it rains, you know, when kiddie pools get all like gross and full of rainwater and then the leaves get in there and they get all disgusting. Mm -hmm. No one, yeah, just, just do yourself a favor and empty them out. Um, and in the meantime, the health department are going to have a full-time mosquito monitor spraying parklands and areas with, um, that have, that has stagnant water in several council areas to try and keep the mosquito population down. Um, but the best tip that I came up with, well, I didn't come up with it, but I came across it, um, to beat the bugs is, um, goes under the heading, spiders are our friends in this case. Um, daddy long legs eat mozzies, so try and cultivate a house that's accommodating mm. to spiders, maybe in your bedroom, maybe in your bathroom, maybe in your kitchen. I have one in my bathroom that's just, I saw feeding on a mosquito, I was very pleased. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Soon in, a, I don't know, in a couple of weeks that um, that daddy long legs will have little baby daddy long legs yep. and then you'll you'll have yourself a n- nature's um, electrified tennis racket. 
It'll be great. Um, and, you know, instead of thinking of this mozzie boom like a total inconvenience, maybe just think of it as um, a bit of organic fertiliser for the ecosystem. It's like this massive biomass dump that's um, quite low down on the food chain. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be feeding a lot of animals, a lot of frogs, a lot of um, lizards, a lot of spiders, a lot flies. of dragonflies. Um, yeah, so... Maybe it's less like a mozzie plague and more like an all-you-can-eat sizzler buffet for all the other animals. That's all we've got time for on this episode of Lost in Science. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. Lost in Science is recorded at the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. If you want to talk to us, talk back to us, uh, you can get in touch. We have a Gmail account, lostinsci at Gmail. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter and on the Facebook Uh, And if that's not enough lost in science for you, you can always tune in again next week where the team will once again get lost in science. listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.